Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. February 10th, that is correct. Uh, it is the PFF forecast. This is the first actual Monday that we've done in quite some time. It feels good. Rested, refreshed. All the above, man. I don't know if I'd call you rest and refresh, but we'll get to that later. We have a good little story uh, coming up. We're going to do some fun stuff today, though. We're moving in to draft and free agency, plus there's XFL. And the Oscars happened last night. So you watched XFL. I watched sort of the Oscars. You're going to explain to me the XFL, and I'm going to explain to you the Oscars. We're going to do some NFL win totals because there are some that are out, and that's fun to talk about. We're going to talk about some draft trades that we would like to see. Um, Free agency, some quarterback stuff, Phillip Rivers uh, breaking up with the Chargers for like the eighth time this offseason. Um, and then uh, we have some stories from the Cincy Y. Let's do it. All right. So <clears throat> did you watch the XFL the first time it came around? Mm-hmm. Not not as much. I mean, was it 01? I was a soft. No, I was a freshman in high school. I do remember watching some games. But in all honesty, like until the betting aspect and the DFS aspect came into play, like these sort of secondary leagues, like the UFL, for example, uh, you know, never appealed much to me. Arena football, same thing, CFL. But I think what the XFL did this time, which I thought was pretty smart on their end, was sort of lean into this idea that this was a league where if you like gambling, if you like DFS, you're, you got some money left over from the Super Bowl go ahead and put it on the line for these games or if you lost a bunch of money on the super bowl try to get it all back uh on the back of the the uh roughnecks and the uh battle hawks and the vipers get bit compelling stuff so you watched how many games you watch them all no we had the party on saturday night so i watched the first game saturday which was okay and then the the game on Saturday night was actually presumably pretty good. Philip Walker threw four touchdowns. Philip Walker? I'm sorry, I don't know. See, you're not going to be a football snob here. I I left this off of the Philip list. Walker. He was the quarterback at Temple, former backup for the Colts. How did I not know? Look, you. I left this off the list. I wasn't. No, no. Talk we need to talk about you, it. If you didn't want, we to. need to talk about it. You're gonna so f- Philip Walker w- threw four touchdowns. Um, Houston was coached by June Jones, the former Atlanta Falcons head coach, Hawaii head coach. There was a lot of run-and-shoot theme uh, in there. Um, And then the games yesterday were not quite as good. Both of them went well under the Vegas total. Both underdogs won outright, and a road team won for the first time. So it was was interesting. I, I do think that the betting and DFS aspect will keep enough people watching it to sort of allow it to survive. It was a lot more well run than the AAF. I think the football is about similarly good. Interesting. Cause wasn't the first week of the AAF was really bad, right? Uh, I thought the people were surprised at how bad the football was, but I mean, people, I wasn't surprised. People still watched it. I watched about as much AAF week one as i did xfl which is to say not a lot thankfully somewhat enjoyed my weekend the watching the xfl was about as tough as eating the steak at the party on saturday night which is to say challenging um and my takeaway from it which seems to align with you is that the xfl is way better than the af but also way worse than just about any other reasonably professional sport well, but that's the thing, though. Like, there are it shows you how good it shows you how good the the game of football is to people, though, because it if I if I read this correctly, it like sort of out ratings the NBA and it, obviously the NHL is no one watched yeah. that. But and there so were like, no, I mean, there were no good NBA games on, and, and they did a good job of not competing with the NBA. So the one of the things that the AF did poorly was they had their games, I believe, at four and eight, and so on a Saturday you're kind of competing with some of the NBA games. They on Saturday went two and five, so you're you're avoiding having to compete with that eight o'clock NBA game. Now on Sunday, 
having the games of two and five sort of competed with the you know the you know those old you know the nba games that play on the saturday afternoon or sunday afternoon but i do think that that's a a better tactic i mean in all honesty everything was sort of looked more well thought out you can't avoid the fact that when philip nelson's a quarterback aaron murray's a quarterback cardell jones is a quarterback the 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 level of play is just not going to be as good but you know I think that there, if a, if a secondary league is going to make it, it's going to have to be as well run as the XFL was this weekend. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when. I mean, how long is the season? Is it ten games? Yep. So they're going to have to compete with March Madness, which they won't. Well, and I and that was the one thing about the AF when like that's basically when they started to fold was right around that last week was the first week of March Madness. They immediately go under after week eight. It's going to be tough. They have their their championship game is the Sunday after the draft, which I think is kind of a a smart move on their part to sort of con- again what they're banking on is piggybacking on the momentum that football has and the fact that people some people are just simply not interested in the NBA or interested in the NHL or whatever, and, and they'll they'll sort of get that residual amount until the draft, and then I think people will take a few months off of football. Yeah. Here, I have two questions for you. Did you win money? Um, yeah. I so I took underdogs. Well, no. In the first the, on Saturday, both favorites covered. But I liked when I we did our. But you bet underdogs, right? Yesterday, I bet underdogs and and won. The honestly, the only money I lost was betting a couple overs um, because I was enticed by the pace and I didn't like the quarterback play just sucked too much for any overs to hit who could have foreseen and uh but no early the the seattle team's the worst one in the league and i bet dc against them minus six and a half close minus nine and a half and they covered and covered the, both numbers they covered both numbers and that was pretty good you know it, it's just a it's a kind of a fun league if you like college football i'm not a huge college football fan but it was fun to recognize some of the names in there Looking for fun any way you can get it. Okay, George, George trying to to fake, uh, you know. Oh, I'm inter- not faking in- anything. I just is know unbelievable. I know that there is no, there's literally no, there are no sports. People that usually tweet about sports were tweeting about the Oscars last night, like they were watching Sunday Night Football. So that tells you how terrible the landscape is right now. Because the NBA, n- nothing really matters. You're sort of right in now. like peak. You're sort of in peak. Like the trade deadline just happened, and so half the teams are giving up on the season, and the other half of the teams are like coasting. Is that? I mean, that's kind of what. Kind of. And then I mean, it's just the NBA doesn't matter until playoffs. But the beginning of the NBA is compelling because things are sort of shaking out. You're sort of figuring out whether or not like the Rockets, you know, if the if those superstars can sort of uh, hang on. And then, uh, yeah, right now it's terrible. So it's a smart move for the XFL. I was I was the pace thing was hilarious because it seemed to me like the games took forever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is which shows a little bit of poor. Um, planning on their part, but whatever. I hope Phil Blocker works out for him. Uh, I don't think I don't think any of those quarterbacks are playing in the NFL anytime soon. But the Oscars. So can you name? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you like a 30 second minute rundown of the Oscars. But my first question is, do you know a single movie that was nominated for Best Picture? Uh, Uncut Gems. Nope. No. I don't believe so. Well, I, I certainly know Parasite now that everybody's been tweeting about it, but I, I have not viewed anything. Uh, no, Uncut Gems was not. But Parasite, good job. Well, I've been, I follow along a little bit. Good job. Okay, so you could name one. Uh, my big takeaway from Oscars night was that I've been calling these, these things movies, and I thought snobs called them films. No, it's And picture. I was wrong. Thank you. <laughs> Glad that you... Uh, you you followed along there. So calling them pictures, calling them motion pictures, but just talking about the picture that you're going to see or that you saw and talking about the creative freedom that the director took Jeez. is an important thing to do if you want to pretend like you know what you're talking about when it comes right. to pictures. Uh, here's the, the whole thing you need to know about the Oscars. The Oscars is generally about pictures. In this case, it was all about music. There were like 40 musical acts. It opened up with Janelle Monet. Do you know who she is? Mm-mm. Didn't think so. Anyways, she's a she's not a motion picture star. She is a musical star, and uh, she sang. The highlight of the evening was Marshall Mathers. Do you know who he is? 
Yeah, Eminem. There you go. He sang Lose Yourself. It was spirited. He's fat, which I was not expecting. I th- sort of thought Slim Shady would always be slim. Not anymore. He's he was got never that slim to begin with, though. Really? He was a lot like in shape. He was just no, no, like he was young, slim. slim. Yeah, but that's like that's like not that's not stable. That's if like kicker nickname, skinny. That's kicker skinny. If right? your so nickname like Nick- is Slim Shady, you should be slim the whole time. Anyways, his performance was the best performance of the evening. Uh, Brad Pitt won an Oscar, which I didn't know. I just sort of thought Leo and Brad Pitt were just really good looking and never won anything. Um, but Brad Pitt won something. His hair looks like Russell Wilson's hair right now. Oh, nice. So that was interesting. Uh, he made a political statement during his speech and then thanked his kids. Um, that was funny. And, uh, and then Parasite won best, best picture. Now, the interesting thing about Parasite is that it was a big underdog. So because you know very little about the movies that were in there, 1917 was a huge favorite. I would compare this to if Russell Wilson won the MVP instead of Lamar Jackson. Well, he should have, but yes. Right. Now, this movie, by all accounts, was the best movie of the year. It was really good. It, It... it's a movie that I think 10 years from now, people will still look back and be like, hey, this is a movie worth watching. It was very topical and, and very well done. And the best part of the whole thing was the guy that um, that directed it. His name is, uh, I think it's like Bong Joon-ho. And he won Best Director. He was an underdog as well. Did you see, did you see the guy that played Harold and Harold and Kumar said he was hanging out with like the production crew during... Like the after party and got congratulated a number of times. Really? Yeah, it's like, can so, you can you get any more like American than people mistaking him for? Anyways, th- <laughs> this guy. So this guy gets up there. He has an interpreter who's who's reading his um, acceptance speech. The dude had an unbelievable expect acceptance speech. He thanked Marty Scorsese, who by the way was the only person that didn't like the Marshall Mathers uh, "Lose Yourself" Eminem uh, performance. He's just like sitting there, stone stone faced, which was better than most of the other white people who just looked like it was the first time they'd heard a rap song before. But then he said he's going to quote drink until morning. Nice, same. Um, and that was that brought the house down. Obviously, uh, he was he looked. Um, like he was actually serious though <laughs> based on his uh his countenance so there's my oscars wrap up <laughs> i went to bed before best picture was nominated though or, or was uh given out it was like it was very like uh it was very late in the day so it's long i mean it's it's live yeah. and it just goes forever so anyways uh let's talk football okay like real football okay you ready snob but yes i will talk real no no, i mean look philip walker i all due respect cardell jones a name i've really missed he played great he was like their highest he got like a 90 something grade yeah we should mention if you are into the xfl and you love betting we've got all the stuff you need we have premium stats for the xfl ben brown has written some great xfl content jeff radcliffe and scott barrett have written some great dfs content for it uh and you will tweet about it uh, well, I'm, the stuff that Ben writes about is because you know we have a, we have all the we we could have XFL Green Line if we wanted to. We don't want to though, right? Because why would we? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying that you tweet about it. I do tweet about it because it's I, I I'm I just think it's I'm a, simply promoting the different products that you can get from PFF, <laughs> and one of them are your tweets. All right, win totals. You wrote a lovely article about the ones that you like the most, and uh, you can check it out on PFF.com. I can't decide which of these I like the most. Unfortunately, I know which one you like the most, and you're just sad to say it. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's the Niners under 10.5 wins. It makes way too much sense. Their defense was so good. They flipped the script from a turnover perspective so incredibly well. They were generally pretty healthy on defense. Yeah. I think about the injuries that they had on defense, and like Quan Alexander gets hurt or Kawan, K1. K1 short. Yeah. Um, Drake Greenlaw comes in and ends up playing so much better that he plays more in the Super Bowl. So the injury thing, the the defense thing, and then offensively, it's weird because I could actually see this offense getting better. Like I could see Jimmy G playing better. Um, but they might not it might not matter because the defense won't 
uh, give them so many fortune situations. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem is like they're in a situation and I wrote about they're in a situation where they have to improve just to stay the same record wise. Oh, yeah. And like that's a tough position to be in. It's like, you know, the, the we've seen this time and time again and not to, you know, I, I, I do think that the Niners are fundamentally better than a lot of these teams historically, like the Bears. They're fundamentally better than the 18 Bears, right? Yes. They're fundamentally better than the 17 Vikings. They're fundamentally better than the 17 Jaguars, the 16 uh, Giants. But they're all they all share those characteristics where if you have a defense that was a big reason why you were good and you have a quarterback whose name isn't Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, like this, like the, the gravity of the situation pulls you down to a difficult space, right? You look at the Rams last season, like Jared Goff is probably in a similar cluster as Jimmy G. You perturb the system a little bit and think, you know, he struggles and I'm not saying that Jimmy G is going to struggle next year, but he has to play. He has to play better than he did this year just for them to win 10, 11 games. And, and I, and 10 and a half just simply is too big of a number, right? Like the, you know, 10 and a half's monstrous. If the Niners win 10 games, they go 10 year, and six, they're successful next year. That's my point. I would, I will, t- if you said, Hey, would you take 10 and six yes. right now? I would absolutely take 10 and six right now. And that's kind of a litmus test for me. If I'm like, Hey, would a number under this be categorized as like above average? And if the answer is yes, yeah. then the number is too high. Here's the thing with Jimmy G and, Okay, so the one part of that that I really disagree with is this. The the Rams from last year. I made this point to you right before we, we went on. The Rams were in the Super Bowl fraudulently. There was no one, like, since week, since the Chiefs game last uh, two years ago, the Rams were a disaster, man. Like, they were fucking awful. Mm-hmm. They got destroyed by the Bears, destroyed by Nick Foles and the Eagles. They looked terrible. And they managed to, to beat the... New Orleans Saints, I mean, they beat the, the Cowboys at home. Okay, great. Congratulations there. They, oh, they also kind of squeaked by them. And then they beat the Saints, thanks to the worst call in refereeing history until the George Kittle call in the Super Bowl. Oh. So th- they're in the Super Bowl fraudulently, and then they score three points in the Super Bowl. Like, we already knew they sucked. Here, here's my comeback, though, and I agree with you that it's not the same. But the 49 and, and the Niners reason for struggling down the stretch a little bit was more about injuries than fundamentals. But a similar thing happened to the Niners this year, right? I mean, they they lose to the Ravens in a close game. I'm sorry. What? Yes. I. So here's the thing that I'm not saying the Niners are in the Super Bowl fraudulently, but if they the, absolutely blew the fucking doors off of both opponents yes. before play, yeah. playing the Super Bowl. Okay. But if Seattle scores the touchdown on a play that was a yard away, they're the five seed. So okay. like they're not, they're not in the Super Bowl fraudulently, but their, their appearance in the Super Bowl was every bit as tenuous as the Rams no. in 2018. Yes. No, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? If Jake, so the, the the league actually created a rule that said the wrong team played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I well I agree. <laughs> but what it but at the same time the the Niners are like okay, so the, the Niners Ni- lost a home game to the Falcons. They beat the Rams by 3. They they you know barely beat Seattle. Then yes, then they get the the Vikings and Packers who I think are a little bit better than we would like to think, but they, they were hammered they were better than the two teams the Chiefs played. They hammered they hammered both of them. And and then in the Super Bowl, like, you know, they performed a lot better in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs than the Rams did against the, the New England Patriots. No doubt about it. But I still think that, like, we we see that the Niners made it all the way to the Super Bowl and we're like, this is a good team and we're right. But we we don't talk about how, like, noisy even getting that far was. That's I mean, there's the noise is the whole reason we're talking about under 10 and a half. Right. My point is that the Rams legitimately were bad and still made it. The Niners were good and made it. There's a big difference. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't think the Rams were I don't think the Rams were bad last year. Do we, I don't do we need to go back to the Bears game and rewatch it? Sure. But but like the, the Niners played every bit as uninspiring against the Falcons at home. That game was nineteen ten. <laughs> you need to go back and watch that okay. Bears game. That may have been the worst quarterback game in the past like ten years. Look, we're not talking. I'm not talking specifically about just the quarterback. What I'm saying is, is like 
the the nine it's not like the Niners were like you know the the 94 Niners or the 2017 Patriots or you know, like they they blew through the league and then struggled in the Super Bowl I'm just saying that like they're there, there was a bunch of universes where the the season wasn't as easy for them, and we are and and the Rams. We saw some of the unease at the end of their season explicitly. Then they lucked into the Super Bowl. For me, the Niners' path to the Super Bowl, like some of that luck happened like three weeks earlier. Okay. That's all I'm saying. So if that if the Seahawks score there, and they have to be the best five seed in history, I think there's a I think there's a far better than average chance for a five seed that the Niners made the Super Bowl. But it is far like the less Niners likely. were the best team in the NFC. Well, sure, for sure. So if they're the best team in the NFC and they have to go on the road, and they st- like, no, I think they beat Philadelphia, but then they go to where would they go? New Orleans again? New Orleans lost. Yeah. Okay, so they would have gone to where? Well, New Orleans wouldn't have lost. New Orleans would have been a one or two seed. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So if, well, if no, play- no, Seattle would have been second, right? Well, no, if if because Seattle would have been only twelve and four, and then the you know New Orleans and Green Bay would have been the top two seeds, so they would have as the five seed, assuming three six held, they, they would have, have gone, gone to New, New Orleans. Orleans, which they've beaten before, right? So I'm, I'm not saying that it was impossible. I'm saying it's just far less likely. And we look at the luck for the Rams very very explicitly because it was literally the play before the game ended, and we see that when I look at the Niners, I see it sort of more up the chain a little bit. Yeah. Okay, agree to disagree. I all of your comparisons are, I think, spot on except for that one. Also, Kyle Shanahan is better. Uh, okay, pick a different uh, other than the Niners. What's one that you I like? The like? Raiders under seven wins. Um, there's so much going against them. For one, Derek Carr was a top four quarterback in terms of our grades for the first half of the season. He was bottom half of the league second half of the year. The Raiders won seven games this year, but all of them were by one score or less. You get the moving teams. You get the they have they had a great season in terms of draft capital, and they basically pissed it all down their leg. Their best player on offense a season ago was a running back who will no doubt regress in year two. Their defense is terrible. Like the Raiders being seven and nine, and then them open opening it up again. Like literally seven wins was like the upper distribution of what you could have expected from the Raiders last year, and Vegas hanging that seven. Dude, I the other thing is is the Chiefs have are twenty seven and three against the AFC West since two thousand fifteen. Ninety percent. So they're losing two games to the to the Chiefs. The Denver Broncos should be improved. You know, they, they were good down the stretch last year. Uh and the Chargers, you know the Chargers have nowhere to go but up. So that that's a tough division to play in. And then Can I tell you why the number one reason I like this? this so this is one I might not have picked out had it not been for your savvy plucking of it from the from the group here's the number one thing they don't have a single game at home next year you know why right because they got to go to the strip every freaking week and see every single fan base make the trip from wisconsin and minnesota and buffalo out to vegas to cheer their team on right let's 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 discuss this because i mostly agree with you but does it not have the miami effect in the nba i don't think so okay here's why (laughs) Here's why. In my opinion, Vegas is not what it used to be. And I just like, and that's just anecdotal. Like, I don't want to, I really don't enjoy Vegas that much anymore. The clubs are pretty slimy. Like, it's just, it doesn't have the aura it used to. Whereas South Beach actually has like attractive people, like people in Vegas, like it's not even an attractive place anymore. Um, And also, because the, of the, the sapphire just isn't what it used to be. Okay, so that's the one thing. So, but here's the here's the thing about that is it's way easier to protect against your players going to strip clubs when you know they're there. In Miami, I think it's more about just like the many possibilities that there are in South Beach. I feel as though in Vegas you can just be like, okay, we got to guard against the strip clubs. We'll just make sure we, you know the players don't go to the strip clubs, and you can get away with with keeping them from from that okay uh, i see this is the thing i mostly agree with you but i think that the hard part about home field advantage is not necessarily the advantage that the home team gets it's the away field disadvantage and i think that we're underestimating that when it comes to vegas at least in year one i think 
further into the future, Vegas is not going to be a huge deal for some of these teams, especially AFC West opponents. But at least early on, I do think the Raiders will have some home field advantage, but it just won't be the normal three. For me, it's all the team-level fundamentals that suck for the Raiders, which is this, that they're terrible defensively. Their offensive line is overrated. John Gruden like fundamentally does not like Derek Carr and they have no good wide receivers. It's just well, a, so it's, it's a rough it's a rough road for them for I, and I think all those things get ca- compounded because the other big part of home field is how many fans. Yes. Right? Like the Chargers issue was that they just never had any fans. And I you know, it'll be very interesting to see if the if the Raiders can get any um any fans out there. A uh, couple of Noteworthy numbers out there. The Kansas City Chiefs are eleven and a half. Uh, well, you know Andy Reid is seven and zero in terms of going over the Vegas win total as the Chiefs. Uh, this is going to be tough, though. Um, the only thing, and Chiefs fans get upset when I say this, but I I, I mean it one hundred percent. The Chiefs have an unfair advantage in the AFC West. Yes, we talked about this before. They, they 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 play their home games at noon central, which is ten Pacific, and and you know their three division opponents. If they get those games at home during the you know regular season uh, at noon, they have a, a clear advantage, and it's been that way. It was that way in the nineties. It's that way now that they're good. But um, yeah, man. I mean, I, twelve and four seems like a pretty easy road for Kansas City, but I'm never. I would never bet an over eleven and a half. Yes. Let's just put it that way. Neither would I. Um, Indy 7.5 is one that I would consider betting now because there's a lot of unknowns in that uh, in that division, and I'm not sure that their quarterback position has been resolved yet. I'm, I'm writing an article currently about a quarterback in the free agency pool who I think would be perfect for the Colts. Um, so, like, that's one I would look at. I also think Miami 5.5. They have a ton of draft capital. I mean, just a massive amount. Um, Quarterback is, you know, a, a known unknown kind of thing. Philly at 10, to me, is way too, like, way too aggressive. Well, Philly just can't get out of their... They haven't been able to get out of their own way since the Super Bowl. You've been calling them the uh, Falcons for a while. I mean, 10, 10's, a, I have 10's two, almost a for sure under bet for me. Two uh, others that I think are really interesting... Dallas at nine and Green Bay at nine and a half. Over under. A Dallas over nine to me is I think here's the ridiculous thing. The ridiculous thing is Dallas being a full game below Philly. That's a, I don't understand that at all. They have the better quarterback, they have the better overall team, and at this point, I'm not sure that the coaching is really a major advantage for Philly because Mike McCarthy does what he says he's going to do and come in and start using math to drive decision making, then they're going to go for a lot of fourth downs. And Kellen Moore is a guy that probably already has a better scheme. They have a ton of draft cap, or sorry, a ton of cap space. Uh, they have a first round pick again, I believe, which is which is big for them. Philly, yeah, I mean the the, the issue in the a- NFC East is going to be when you look at these two win totals, and it's the same thing for the the Green Bay one, the Green Bay under nine and a half. The thing that you have to consider for both of these is how much do you think the rest of the division will improve? Mm-hmm. Because if if you don't think much of Washington or the New York Giants, then laying off of Philly under 10 is probably smart. And, and piling on Cowboys over 9 is probably smart. On the other hand, with Green Bay under 9.5, you have to make – you have to explain to me why the Lions are going to be good. Right, because that's how that's how that happens, right? Lions at six and a half, I believe, which I, I like the over there. Yep. You have to explain to me how the Lions get better because I don't see the Bears being more than a six to ten win team. I don't think the Vikings are anywhere outside of not seven to ten wins. So, like much like this season, Green Bay, like all they really have to do is split with Minnesota, you know, to get to ten, eleven wins. Unless the rest of the division is better. And that's that's a tough sell for me. The rest of the division being better really hinges on Matthew Stafford staying healthy. Yes. Also, with you know, with Green Bay, they won more games this year than their fundamentals would tell you they will by a lot, by, by almost three and a half, by a good margin. So that's something that you can take advantage of and just say, okay, well, the market's just going to overprice this, and you'll probably get, you know, a nine and a half. Man, the hook. I could have seen this at nine and still taken the under. Um, 
I don't know. Any others that are worth uh, discussing here? I don't want to give away too much from the article. Go check it out. But like, just any other ones that are noticeable. Baltimore at 11? It's heavy, but the thing, I mean, the hard part is, and we we got into trouble this year, you know, doubting <laughs> doubting them. Here's one that I think is sneaky, and this well, is... Okay, but well, hold on about the Ravens here. You just talked about teams that are, how that division is going to get. The Steelers can't possibly be worse than they were last year. I mean, they had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph battling out for quarterback play there. So there's no... They also and, had the league's best defense, other than the Patriots. So that there is some regression that probably is in store there. Okay, but I'd rather bank on the off, the offense being better is what really is going to beat the Ravens. Here are a couple that I that I like that are sort of under the radar. Okay, I kind of like Cincinnati over five and a half for that oh, same God. reason. Okay, because because the thing is, is, if Burrow comes in like and has sort of a Baker Mayfield type rookie season. Cincinnati invests a little bit in the offensive line. AJ Green comes back. Mm-hmm. They well, get a they little get, bit. They get bet. two first round picks because their first oh, round Jonah pick Williams. last year was in, injured. There's that too. And then here's one that I I like as a sneaky one. This is low, but I I kind of want to go under Carolina six and a half because mm-hmm. I think that they are going to tank for. Trevor. I think they're going to tank for Trevor. And while that that didn't work, if you bet the over Miami, you you cash this year at four and a half. Six and a half is a little bit higher than that. And I and I think. In that division, Tampa Bay is going to want to be good. New Orleans is going to want to hang on for one more year. And our Falcons, uh, I think, uh, you know, the Falcons have basically owned Carolina for like, Falcons have sucked for like three, two years in a row, and they've gone 4 0, I believe, against Carolina. So, like, you know, the, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where I think this is going to be Carolina's year to be the, the Dolphins. No, I'm with you. Uh, there's one more that. Um Oh, Chicago's eight. I'm going under just on principle. <laughs> just on principle? Just to get the, the love from the Bears fans. That's what one, one of my friends DM me said. I'm going to bet all four XFL unders. I think one of them at least goes over, but it's just the principle of the matter. You have to. Okay. Uh, I'm glad they that some of these are out early. Mm-hmm. It makes it fun. We haven't done any simulate. These are just based upon fundamentals and, and a little bit looking at the schedule. For example, take a look at Houston. If you want to, if you want to study over under for them, um, the schedule is will matter a lot. But I think the order also will matter, considering how things are correlated in the NFL. So just you know, the, the limits are low now. Have some fun. All right, the draft. Before we get to the draft, oh no! If you're like me, you have an impossible time finding a dress shirt that fits. However, you could find a really nice Chiefs shirt that fits. Um, at the PFF store. But if you're looking for a real dress shirt, you probably struggle to find anything that actually fits you because your body is unique. It does not come in one of five sizes. So you want to head to Proper Cloth because Proper Cloth makes sure that the shirt size is just for you. It's a custom fit shirt. It's never been easier. You go to propercloth.com and you create a custom shirt size by answering 10 easy questions. They use machine learning. It's really smart. I believe in it. We use it every single day. So you should too. Proper Cloth then takes your custom shirt size and lets you customize the shirt any way you want. You bigger left cuff, bigger pocket, uh, the type of buttons, literally everything. The fabric is great. They get fabric from around the world. They have tons of different options. So whether you want something for the winter or the summer, they've got you covered. And if the shirt doesn't fit perfectly, you can just return it and get it remade uh, completely free of charge. So they make sure that everything is perfect for you. Proper Cloth's been featured in top publications, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Esquire, GQ, Fast Company. GQ calls them their new favorite online shirt maker. I can attest, I literally try on dress shirts and go, there's just no way this is ever going to fit me in Proper Cloth. First try, fit me perfectly. So go to propercloth.com slash PFF. Use promo code PFF20, save $20 on your first shirt. All right, the draft is interesting for many, 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 many reasons. One of the reasons that I find it most interesting is the way in which it kind of mimics uh, almost a a financial system, right? You have all this kind of capital. Um, It doesn't necessarily, you can't splice it up as perfectly as you want all the time, right? You're given the picks you have, and that's kind of all you are able to work with. And you have different motivations, right? Some Some teams need quarterbacks. Those are by far the most valuable position in the NFL. Some teams don't. And so it makes trading draft picks a really interesting situation. 
we have a, a simulation of the draft trades that we use that basically samples from in and around the picks that you're trading 50,000 times and looks at who wins the trade and does a really nice job of accounting for whether a quarterback is selected too. You can make mm-hmm. that selection. So we're going to talk about some draft trades that we like. I have a feeling we're going to be drafting for quarter, trading for quarterback picks. <laughs> yeah. So here's a question because like I kind of I want to talk about quarterbacks a little bit too here. What would have to happen for the Bengals to not want to select Joe Burrow at one? I was trying to think of this as well. So if you got if you got four first round picks, I would do it. I would trade back. Now, I don't think so a team could maybe try and accumulate that. There's no team obviously that can do that right now. But you look at well, well if you took if you took the Dolphins, let, let's say you're the Dolphins at 5 and you trade what are the Dolphins first round picks? Let's look let's look at this. Well, so the the tough thing is though that would you take the question is would you take future picks? So I'm at four picks like in this year's draft. Right? As opposed to waiting for next year where that mm-hmm. team could get good. Because you don't want to give up the first pick with Joe Burrow. He'd be good. And then all of a sudden, you don't. those picks next year don't, don't actually turn out being worth that much. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, there's a discount rate. But at the same time, I mean, the Bengals are in sort of like a pretty similar situation as the okay. Dolphins. In so that let's they're, say the Dolphins. are not particularly talented. The Dolphins go five. 18 and 26 and then next year's first okay so if the dolphins so if the dolphins do this i think that they're at least going to be okay enough to pick like let's say 10th so if we do that here and we we well, give me your gut what, what do you think the dolphins would actually do in this situation uh, or, or the Bengals? Do you think the Bengals would would actually do that? Um, uh, if would the Bengals do it? Um, would they trade? Yes, I think so. I mean, because here's the thing: Paul Brown is like you know relatively worried about busting on the on these things, right? Mm-hmm. I, the tough thing is that there's it, yeah. Go ahead. So. You're, the chances of you getting the first pick next year are so low because you're accumulating a bunch of draft capital. I mean, the Dolphins tried and didn't. And didn't, right? Yeah. So unless you're going to say... Theoretically. The only reason that I would do this is if I knew for sure that we were going to tank so hard for Trevor Lawrence next year and that I was like, okay, I probably don't know which quarterback is actually better you know, there's a ton of uncertainty involved, and so therefore I'm going to do this trade. I accumulate three extra first-round picks, and I still have a chance at a quarterback next year. And you could take a quarterback this year at five, right? You could right. still take two up, potentially. Well, not only that, but you would have – if you're like, – that's what. okay, here's the theoretical to think about. Let's say you are Cincinnati, and you prefer Tua. Mm-hmm. This is the path, isn't it? Because you can't – I mean, but there's no way. You say it, there's a market, right? There, the, this is a market-based situation. To take Tua, it's, it's sort of like when, when the Houston Texans took, now this is way back in the day, but they took Mario Williams over Reggie Bush yeah. when everybody was like, Reggie Bush the number one overall pick. It's like, but if you knew that, that everybody thought Reggie Bush was the best pick and you thought Mario Williams was, you should have traded back. Just like the Oakland. If you're Oakland and you literally thought Cleland Farrell was the fourth best player in the draft, you should have traded back to like ten when everybody, where everybody else thought he was going to be picked, because that's how the that's how this works. Now there's imperfect information, but how many teams in the NFL in their right mind would select not Joe Burrow at one? Zero. Zero. So yeah. So if you trade, so so in this situation, if you were to trade this, you know the team trading up to one still does win if it's a quarterback, just because of the variance. Oh, oh but hold on. Not if the fifth pick is also a quarterback. Sure. So that's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's a good point. the key thing. That's a good here. point. Yes. So you're dead on, right? So the team that selects at one does win the trade if the other picks that are, are traded are all non-QBs. 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 That's right. So it really comes down to what you think about 
to and whether you're willing to do it. And I would say from uh, the Bengals perspective, I would do that. I would say, look, at number five, if I evaluate Tua and his health and, you know, he gets a, you know, he's going to recover fully. I take that chance because there's still a chance that you can tank. You get, you know, a top pick next year and you are so bereft of talent overall that those high picks are going to win. And that's the tricky part about Burrow, because the question for him having the best season we've ever looked at at PFF history and at college is how much of that depended on Joe Brady, how much of that depended upon. Um, you know, the, the players that he, Justin Jefferson, you know, Van, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, all those players that he was able to throw to Thaddeus Moss, like all these NFL players on his team, offensive line was terrific. Like how much of that is dependent upon the players around him? We, we seem to discount Tua for that, Yep, but we don't do, we it don't, do, we don't do it with Burrow, even though Tua has a lot more data of being brilliant than Joe Burrow does. So it is tricky. Um, okay. So, I have a, I have a. So that's a really good conversation, I think. Yep. Teams that could go up and get and uh, get the number one pick don't think it'll happen. If for no other reason than the Bengals just so desperately need a face of their franchise. There, there <laughs> are non-football reasons to take Burrow that I cannot dispute. Right, that you just kind of have to accept. Yeah. Um, but I have uh, another option here. So you talked about the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. So the Vegas Raiders are going to make a play at Tom Brady. And that basically says, hey, Derek Carr. We think you're you're garbage, and you're not going to be the future of this franchise. So why would you not move on right away? And the Raiders have a bunch of picks that they could potentially move up with. So the Raiders have um, number 12 and number 19. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what if they take 12 and 19, and they start that as kind of the basis for flipping it to Detroit? So if Detroit is going to stay with Matt Stafford, they're at number three. Do you take 12 and 19 and say, okay, we're, we could maybe still get, you know, maybe Jeff Okuda still falls to 12. Like, who knows? You yeah, know, yeah. The, the league is crazy. Um, but we're here to try and build around Matt Stafford, which I don't think is a ridiculous decision. Yep. He played well last year. And then the Raiders can move up and take a quarterback at three. So if you look at this from a quarterback agnostic perspective, the Lions would win this trade, getting 12 and 19. About a half a win in their direction over the course of the totality of the players' contracts. But if for the Raiders, you pick a quarterback at three, and the Raiders are going to win this trade. So it's one of those trades like the Jets-Colts trade from a couple years back where one the, the teams are differently leveraged depending on yeah. their selection of a quarterback. The picks have different utility. Now, there's, a, there's something we probably have to build into this, which is, how much do I like the quarterback? No. How much? No. How? <laughs> I like how, take that seriously. How likely is? How likely is it that that third pick can be the quarterback? Because there was a there was a very you no. Know, now in 2018, there was there was not going to be a situation where one of the top quarterbacks was unavailable at three. But a lot. Of, but the particular quarterback being either Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold was contingent upon the Giants taking well, Saquon Barkley at two. But we're in the same situation here. We are. But that's the thing. I think when we say that, you know, Oakland would win this trade, you know, two thirds or three fourths of the time, we're assuming that that second pick is not Tua. You know what I'm saying? Or, uh, you know, and that's the tricky thing. So if what what would be the percentage? Like, I, I don't think Washington's going to take Tua at two, but they may, they may very well trade back. But here's the thing. So I, if... This is really interesting. Okay, so say the Raiders go to three. Now, the Dolphins know that the Raiders are going to take Tua. Well, you would think, right? Yep. So then they say, okay, we're going to try and move up to two to get Tua. Yeah. Are the Redskins crazy enough to be like, nope, Chase Young is a generational talent, which he is. It just so happens that he does not play quarterback, so it's not you're overvaluing it a little bit. Are the Redskins too stubborn to actually trade back or maybe too, I don't know, just too set in their ways? Like, we've got to take this generational defensive player. Or could the Dolphins, you know, would the Dolphins be willing, because they're mathematically inclined, to say, okay, we know how much a quarterback is worth, and now we're going to give up our three, you know, or two of our top picks? Because what? So they, so the Dolphins would give five and, and 18. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, the, that's like, a, are the Redskins doing that? If they're smart, and I and I think that you know Rivera has shown. I mean, I I think Rivera's you know 
part of a good solution there. So maybe they are smart and do it. Yeah. You know, um, any other trades that you ran that you liked? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like those. I, I mean, the thing about it is again, the question is, is like, think about like the Colts at, at, I believe it's 13. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was looking at them too. Yeah. Like what would, I mean, so if you're the Colts, what is your best solution? Because Brissette is Brissette's cap number is twenty one and a half, I believe. So when we look at quarterback solutions for them, it's not. I don't think it's going to be the Brady's, right? I mean, hit their his dead money if they cut Brissette is twelve and a half, right? Mm-hmm. So you're either hanging on to a backup quarterback at twenty one and a half, or you're cutting him at twelve and a half. Like I think their solution is 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 basically is basically draft a quarterback or sign somebody like Bridgewater, somebody who's going to be cheaper. So is it is it worth it? Like, what do you think the calculus is in their mind? Do you think they think that Jordan Love, Justin Herbert are worth it, or do they do they go up and get Tua? Based on what Chris Ballard has done, I just don't. Yeah. I can't see them trading up. And I think I think they I think much he trusts as, Reich to build an offense around kind of a crappier QB. Frankly, I, I think they go free agency and they make a play maybe at a quarterback next year because there's so much out there in, in free agency. Um, there's really not a free agency quarterback who I'm not like. I would love to see him in Frank Reich's system. I mean, that's just how great how much yeah. I value Frank Reich. Here's the one. Here's my last one uh, that I have for you. So this is, again, Detroit trading out of three. And uh, it would be a team that loses a great quarterback, uh, maybe the greatest of all time quarterback in the New England Patriots, trading up to three to get to it. Now, I don't really know if the Patriots have enough ammunition here. So they have 23. They have, I believe, 55. Yeah. And then you'd have to give up a first and it probably a, a second next year. If see, they have see no, because in the greatest trade in the NFL history, the Chiefs gave up 27, 91, and then what became 22 to move from 27 to 10 and take Patrick Mahomes. Now, three is a lot heavier than 10, but they're at 23 as well. So I do think I agree with you that they'd have to give up that their, their front end pick 23 and a one. But if that second pick is like a second rounder in that, so they'd have to give up their first two picks in, in, in the current draft, draft and then a one the following year, I think that they can accomplish that. Okay, so the, the trade makes There's sense. There's also Patricia and Belichick's relationship. I do think it makes that a helps. lot of sense. Yeah. So, it, so here's what the trade would be. Detroit would get 23, 55. They'd get first round pick next year, which I'm just giving them as 28. And then I'm also throwing in a second next year, which say is in the 50s. New England gets a three this year. New England wins this trade if they select a quarterback. And Detroit wins this trade if no quarter, you know, yeah, from yeah. their lens, if number three is not going to be It's not as, it's, it's actually close. Like, it's actually more of a. Oh, it's not. It's, it's not a slam dunk for Detroit trading out of that pick. But they do get more, they do get more value than, than New England does unless New England takes a QB at three. Then New England wins the trade. At the, like the quarterback just so much tilts this entire thing on its head. What's cr- what's really interesting to me about this whole thing is that if no one, we I presume there will be a lot of of players trying to move to three, right? Because you know we just talked about a couple of teams, yeah. but if there aren't and they're just sitting there and Detroit's like, we don't we don't have anyone that we really love. We could see this guy slipping anyways. And Belichick, you know, mm-hmm. and do they? Here's the question. Then he says, "Hey, man, I'll let you use my boat yeah. for a week this year." Right. Or, "Hey, look, I'll like, I'll give you a little bit more credit for the prior Super Bowl." Yes. Here's the thing: do, if you're Detroit, you you're, get fired. I'll hire you back. If you're Detroit and it gets that way, who do you take? Do you take Akuda because they stunk in coverage last year? Mm-hmm. But I think oh, a absolutely. lot of that was scheme. Or do you take C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy? And just go all in on the just offense. Just go all in on the offense. Because, well, Marvin Jones is a free agent coming up. Kenny Galladay, Amendola. I think Amendola is a free agent coming up too, maybe a year or two from now. Hawkinson's no lock. That's really interesting. I didn't, I've never, I hadn't even thought of that yet. And I, I mean, the, the, the Lions historically as a franchise have taken Just first, love taking wide receivers. receivers yeah. three. Um, 
Charles Rogers. Man, R.I.P. Okay, uh, that was a fun segment. I really enjoyed that. We should do that every week, just going on from now on. We are running woefully behind. What do you want to do to close this out? Let's, let's, so we talked about free agent running backs last week. Let's let's continue with the second least important position in the NFL. Let's talk about free agent. You want to? Linebackers. I was going to say let's just talk quarterbacks real quick. Okay, we'll we'll push linebackers off till next linebackers week. Linebackers are not pressing news. Philip Rivers is over okay. here floundering okay. around. Okay, so what is where does Philip Rivers go? I'm trying to figure out how you get the RV from Florida to Indy. You don't. So that's just not happening. See, I think the Colts, here's the thing with the Colts. And we wrote about this last year. We believe it, I think, 100%. The Colts are playing the long game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Colts are playing the long game, man. And like, because their roster is not good enough to win a Super Bowl yet. True. So like, you, if you're going to make a Brett Favre type play at a player like that, your roster's got to be 09 Vikings good, right? Or it has to be... And I just, you know, name me their second receiver behind T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Phil Blocker. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I just don't see. And defensively, I think that the Eberflus gets a lot more out of them than than their talent would suggest. But, man, I just don't think they're ready yet. I think that they they need to find a QB that's sort of more of a sustainable player, whether that be a player in the draft or whether that be Teddy Bridgewater. I knew you were going to say Teddy. Or, but like, because you look at Jacoby Brissett, like Jacoby Brissett had less war last year in 15 starts and Bridgewater did in five. So like, even even if you go, okay, so let's say you have Bridgewater sort of, there's upside there, but it's limited. Or you have Jordan Love who there's upside, but the mean is limited. Like he's like, or Herbert, something like that. Like, I think Reich could be that kind of coach that you wonder, oh, why did we miss out on this mid-tier quarterback in the middle of the first round? It's like, well, it's because that, that guy actually sucks, but, you know, Frank so, Reich's good. So here's what I think. The, the Colts, to me, and I agree with you on this, you, you were on the forefront of this, it's just they don't have Pat Mahomes, is that they are going to do, they're doing the right thing. Yeah. They're building the right way. So my answer to what you said is, why can't you do both? So why wouldn't you go, okay, let's give Bridgewater a shot. And at the same time, let's do what the Patriots have, you know, did, and let's draft the next Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round, you know, and, and look to build both ways until you're in a situation where you are, if you're the Chiefs, where you're like, well, we can trade up for Patrick Mahomes, right? I, I don't. I think they explore opportunities to trade up for Tua. You know, I, I think they also explore ways to get Teddy Bridgewater, and they give themselves as many outs as possible. Um, Phil Rivers, then, to me, is either retiring which i think has like i think it's 50 50 chance i think he retires or he's going to play with um with your boy bruce arians yeah i mean i think tampa bay is a classic place for him the problem and i i don't hate it right i'm i like Jameis and how he fits into tampa bay Mm -hmm. and so i i would be a little bit disappointed in that i think it's just like kind of want to see fatigue i kind of want to see him work it out there but, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. They have two great receivers in Godwin and Evans. An offensive line that's okay. Like, well, far better than the one he had with the Chargers. O.J. Howard's a good tight end. And, you know, Jameis has never been one to throw to O.J. Howard. But maybe, you know, Rivers would be somebody who could take advantage of that. Their defense is very improved from a season ago. Mm. The problem, I think, so if you're Arians and you think to yourself, okay, this offense was great. Yards for play, good. Big play percentage is good. Big time throws good. Positively graded play is good. What were, where was the one place that the the Buccaneers sucked? Well, they turned the ball over too much. Yep. Philip Rivers has had twenty or sure. twenty plus interceptions more than any quarterback in the entire league over the past decade. So does he really solve that problem? It's he doesn't push the ball downfield and he still turns it over. So. That's what I'm saying. So is he really a, a upgrade over Jameis? Maybe not. Okay. Here's yeah. another. Here's another thought. You mentioned the. The Panthers potentially, you know, doing the whole tank for Trevor thing. I ultimately believe that Cam Newton is going to Los Angeles to the Chargers. And I think either he, or I've said this before, I think either he or Jameis makes a ton of sense for the Chargers because they have a Keenan bunch of. Keenan Allen's a very good receiver for Jameis. Marvin Williams is good, right? Um, but what about Cam Newton going to Tampa Bay, you know, 
I feel as though Bruce Arians is kind of one of those guys that is a perfect second second chapter guy. And that's what Cam Newton needs. He needs this guy that just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. And is like, listen, Cam, it, both of us, there are people that don't like us for what we've done in our past for reasons I can't talk about. We're in the here and the now, buddy. <laughs> you know? like, Yeah. And, and I don't know that Cam Newton is necessarily... Uh, an accurate enough quarterback for for Bruce Arians to sign on to. I don't know if he wants to you know experiment with running quarterbacks, but, but he's that's the kind of quarterback he's had success with. Like Cam is a Carson Palmer type player. Like he's a more athletic version, but he's like he's a down. He's not a precision guy. No. He's a down the field guy, which is exactly what as what long Arians as his, would, re- would leverage as long as his arm stays on. Right, like that's the problem with with Newton was that the first two games this season. He was hurt, and you couldn't even use his athleticism. Like, can't, and this this sounds you know this sounds bad, but you know Cam Newton's one of the most productive quarterbacks we've seen over the last ten years. When you take away his legs, he sucks. Like he's not a he's not a good starting quarterback in the NFL without his legs. So that's how much his athleticism means. It, it he goes from a productive plus player at the position to horrible, and so like. You have to have that resolved because if he just is a drop back passer, like, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see it. If, if Cam Newton goes, let's say Cam Newton goes to Tampa Bay, are they just doing a swap and Jameis is going to the Chargers or the chart? There's something about, I can see the Chargers going with Cam Newton. I, I have a harder time seeing them going with Jameis Winston. It, to me, the Chargers are making this play. We have no fans, no one buying tickets for our new stadium. And if we don't get a guy with a name that people are excited that's about. That's a good point. So Cam's a superstar. Jameis is not. It's not. And that's, the, and that's the big thing. So like I could see if they can't get Cam Newton, they're just like, well, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we're just going to tank. Yeah. Because um, I also don't see Teddy Bridgewater being that guy. No. Like, I think it's more likely that the Patriots sign Teddy Bridgewater than the Chargers do. But Bridgewater is sort of like a like, – and, and again, I, I mean this you – know, I've been a Teddy fan for a long time. But I, no, I say this say. sort of in a – Teddy is sort of like the perfect Belichick quarterback, right? If you're – you know, he he's accurate. He was accurate on more than 80% of his passes here if you throw out drops and throwaways and stuff. He's low A dot, which before Brady decided to learn how to throw a deep ball was exactly who Brady was early career. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Um, he he's act, you know, all this kind of stuff. I think is I do think that he would be a good option for New England. He's a good option for New Orleans too. If if you know Sean Payton doesn't you know gets over this whole Taysom Hill thing, yep, yep. Uh, he's a good option there. He's a good option for the Colts. I honestly think the Colts are sort of a perfect place in terms of. It's indoors, so he kind of has a noodle for an arm, but it's not as big of a deal without weather. Um, you know, the, uh, Frank Reich's a really good up-and-coming play caller, and they have a ton of cap space to support him and a good offensive line. You know, and so there there are some places where Bridgewater's a great fit, and there are some places where he would be a horrendous fit. Tampa Bay, I think, would be one of them, where he just is not a downfield enough thrower to succeed in that he offense. He and Bruce would not get along. Yeah, but and then there's some places where Jameis, I think, would fit in great. I think there's a smaller number. And places where he'd be horrendous. He would not survive in New England. He would not survive. I think Indy could make him work, but I don't think that that's going to be what they opt for. Right? No, he just doesn't seem like they're kind of player. But, like, I don't know, man. It's going to be really interesting. And then, of course, Brady. Well, Brady. Everybody thinks, seems to think he's a charger. Which I don't get. I still don't get. They're a second-tier organization in that city. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, unless he is doing the LeBron thing where he is. And the tough thing was LeBron went to the Lakers who are still a legit organization, despite the issues they had in their front office. But he, there's such a well-respected organization that he, and made so much money that he was sort of able to come in there. The chargers are not that way. They're like the exact yeah. opposite of the Lakers. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. The, the, the Vegas Raiders being so bad, I think is the prohibitive factor there. Like they're just not a good team, and I don't see him wanting to go to a team that sucks that much. So to me, he's still going to the um, to stay in New England. But here's the weird thing: say he does go to the, the Raiders, well then Derek Carr is all of a sudden out there. Yeah, there's a, there's so many interesting Here, pieces. Here's here's one more sort of like wild card, and I know he has a no trade clause. What about? Kirk Cousins. Oh, stop it. 
Stop it. Who's trading for Kirk Cousins? Well, that's a, well, that's a good question because who's going to trade? So, like, let's say, let's say that you're in this carousel. Let's say you're the Chargers and you're in this carousel. And you're the, no. the musical chairs. The and the, and the, no. music, the, music, the music turns off and everybody sits down and yeah. you're the one standing up. No, it, Kirk Cousins is not filling your state. You're either getting a guy who's going to sell a ton of jerseys and going to put fans in the seats, or you are just... Or you're starting Tyrod Taylor? Yeah, you're tanking. Okay. I you mean, have to... You are not going to... Here's the thing. You being mediocre in Los Angeles is not a recipe for survival. You only survive, if you're the Chargers, if you get a guy that is okay. a marquee name. Otherwise, you're moving to Manitowoc. So like, what, you've got no shot. Yeah, because... And I agree, and I th- and I think there's absolutely no incentive for Cousins to leave Minnesota and to waive his no trade. I'm just saying, like the Vikings would, in my opinion, would certainly jump at the opportunity to trade him if he if he were to. I agree, a- and and like somebody brought up the other day, like, a- and again, this is silly, but I think it's fun to talk about a Garoppolo for Cousins trade straight up, given Shanahan's history and interest in Kirk. And I think if I'm a Vikings fan, that's I would. I would take that trade in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, but here's the problem. Jimmy's got a great contract. He's young. He has had he has more playoff success than Kirk Cousins Which already. Which is the in reason that year. the Niners are never doing that trade. The other thing that you've just totally glossed over is that people like Jimmy G and no <laughs> one likes Kirk Cousins. So like younger, better looking, better at football, cooler guy. Oh yeah, no no, give me the other guy with the worst contract. He's I mean, a vegan. He'll fit in perfectly out here. Stop yeah. It. I mean, I like your attempt though at willing into existence, getting Kirk Cousins off your second favorite team after your first favorite team just won the Super Bowl. For that, I respect you. Okay, stories from the Cincy. Why you have a great one, and I'm going to let you tell it. I don't think it's a great one. It is, but yeah. Well, so here's the thing. So we were playing basketball. I was not. Yeah, twenty. You you have we haven't played one on one in what like six weeks? It's been a while. It's been too freaking long. So I'm playing. 21 with Ben Lindsay, the, the up-and-coming star in our company, Paul Carey, and uh, and Sam Onsen. I'm playing 21. Ball is going out there. I chase after the ball. I do one of those things where I kind of stop on a dime, mm. which, again, I'm not moving very fast, which is why I've never had, I haven't had an ankle injury since I quit playing football. Stops on a dime. And I stop on a dime, and... I would have swore that I tore my Achilles. Now, I luckily did not. But for the first time in my life, I had a non-contact injury. And it uh, wasn't great. And it was, it was bad enough. So I so you, know, you, you crumpled to the ground. Crumpled to the ground. I strained my calf. I think it was like a. It's probably one of. It's probably like one of those like grade, grade one. Are you going to just gloss over the best part of the story? What's this? What? What happens after you crumple to the ground? Which is what? Which is Sam carrying me to the pool? Sam Monson is five foot eight, yeah, yeah. hundred and fifty no, pounds. Sam, so here's the thing: Paul carries me to the elevator, which gets me to the pool because our YMCA, the great Cincinnati wide, does not have ice packs, does not have crutches. So I there are I, other things they don't have, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But yes, I my trying not to get my leg to balloon up. I go all the way to the to the. Uh, to the pool and dip my leg in there. Nice. I have to file a report because I, I literally am still wondering if my Achilles is torn because I can't like straighten my leg. Of course. You and KD in the pool. Well, I think my injury was KD's first. Mm-hmm. The calf injury. So like I'm not going to play basketball for a while as so not to have KD's second injury, right. which is an actual torn Achilles. So you're in the pool. You uh, haven't walked yet. You get out of the pool. What happens? We're like a block away from the Y. Yeah, Sam Sam, base, Sam, and a nice YMCA employee basically crutched me back to Sam's car that I enter, and then Sam crutches me to the office. Sam is half of you. Ha- Sam, Sam is a, a very nice gentleman, yes. And then you, so you were down here on the couch, ice pack, just... I was was like, you need to go home. I haven't been in that much pain since. Oh, so I I made I made a lie earlier. My first and only non-contact injury before that was turf toe. 
and I turf toe history. is turf toe is more painful. Turf toe is painful. Turf toe is more painful than what I had, but that was the most painful injury I've had in a while. I still am walking with a limp, as you know. We walked to the gym. Oh, today. I'm aware. I'm acutely aware. You put a, a compression sleeve on your calf for the PFF end of the year party, in which I was the MC or one of the two, one of the two, and was. Was I okay? Did I do you a were, good job? You did a really nice job. If you guys could have gotten video to play, it would have been better. But hey, look. The biggest issue with the, the end of the year party was at the stake, and the bartenders were an atrocity. And that was the real issue. You were a bright spot. Uh, well, as I always am. That's a good point. Okay, yeah. I'm going to finish up with my Cincy Y story. Okay. Which is more of a PSA. Um, it has come to my attention that there are people in the Cincy Y when we make fun of them, right? The old dudes that are just fucking naked walking around. Okay. And that's fine. It's whatever, but it has come to my attention that there have been some of these naked old men, adjective, not verb. True. That have uh, decided to expose themselves in, uh, the steam room and the sauna and proceed to, uh, to, to do some things that are not appropriate. And, um, and it also has come to my attention that after being told this, people at the ymca that work there have said oh yeah that's something we know about and this really pisses me off it pisses me off a lot and this is you know it's it's funny to a certain extent because it's like i can't believe this is happening but it's also and i can't believe that the ymca thinks this is a joke and ha 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 but also like if you see this happening say something you know, file a police report, call 911. Like, this is ridiculous that it's 2020 and these old fucktards are walking around jacking off in the sauna. Like, I, it just makes me so mad. And now I'm, I work out in there and every dude that I see, I look at them and I go, yeah. Are you that guy? Because if you are and I catch you, I'm going to take you out into the street and let everyone see what you're doing. And then you're going to get in a cop car. It's in, so. It is something where you think about victims, right? And you think about, and you, and you realize that being, you know, being like when you've never been the victim of anything like this before, how you take so many things for granted Mm -hmm. and how, you know, when people terrorize other people, like that's literally what it does. It makes you scared to do things. It makes you scared to like go about your life in like sort of a normal way. And it really does piss you off when you realize, like, oh, we are a lot, just a lot more vulnerable than we were. And they, and people somehow are okay with it at sometimes, which is ridiculous. So it's absurd. It's absurd. So this is a PSA. You're out there. You're your local YMCA or wherever you're Equinox, wherever the hell you are. Because George, sure George, George is going to George is going to hit you with the the, the fist of justice. Let me know uh, if you if you have experienced. Um, similarly pathetic responses from your local gym administration and we'll find a way you're, to on, you're on watch alright that was our show we'll be back with you on Thursday thanks for tuning in love you guys peace out